You're listening to the Pullbox Podcast, the international graphic novel book club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Hello and welcome to the Pullbox Podcast. This is our third episode. And uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, Ex Machina, uh, The First Hundred Days, uh, Paul Pope's Battling Boy, Volume 1. And, uh, and Astro City, uh, Volume 1, Life in the Big City. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen. And I am the other host, Curtis Finley. Cool. And uh, before we jump into this month's titles, we're just going to do a bit of a review of last month's. We're just going to talk about those titles a little bit. So, uh, Curtis, refresh our memories. What, what did we do last month? What, what were the titles that we just read? Well, we talked about Road to Perdition, and I want to ask you, did you watch the movie? <laughs> I didn't watch oh, the okay. movie. Well, we'll have to save that for a future yeah, episode yeah. then. Okay, because that's one of the things that um, <clears throat> I was hoping yeah. you did, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and then we also talked about, what was your pick last month? I don't even Turtles. Remember. Oh, yeah, Ninja Turtles. I, yeah. I read the second volume of Ninja Turtles, yeah. that's, and, um, and I like how the story's progressing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's got a really nice flow to it. Um, I love how they get their colors and how they explain that. And I also really like that they take the whole, um, the the backstory of Splinter's master. It's not really Splinter's master anymore. They set yeah. it back in feudal Japan. Yeah. Um, and this whole kind of reincarnation thing going on. I think that's a really neat way to yeah. to 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 change up the story and bring a lot of sort of myth and technology into like interplaying there yeah. I, I think that's really neat. so uh, we when we had finished talking about volume one last month i think you were kind of like i like where it started i like yeah. the things that they're doing but i have these concerns right and i was sitting here going like oh man i really wish you'd read <laughs> volume two i wish everybody had read it because so many of those concerns are addressed right away in volume two yeah um yeah. Uh, the the colors uh how they came to be the ninja turtles and not just mutant turtles yeah um the, the whole reincarnation aspect of it the spiritual aspect of it which then like you're saying marries together the mystical side the fantasy side with the sci-fi right side of ninja yeah, turtles it's which, a great blend which the yeah. other other incarnations of turtles yeah don't really have it's pretty much all sci-fi it's a lot of sci-fi there's been uh, uh, on occasion some interdimensional stuff which you could kind of throw into the fantasy like when realm. they travel back in time and stuff but that's still science fiction and, and usagi yojimbo and stuff because usagi comes True, from an so. alternate world right yeah. so those crossovers but, yeah. are a little bit more of the they're they're less scientific and more um just sort of fantasy based but right but yeah this this uh, incarnation of the turtles, um, especially as you get further on, definitely relies on that that uh, mythical aspect to it a lot more. But it also does a really cool job of tying the myth into the technology, into sort of the larger yeah. uh, story of what's going on with with General Krang and yeah. and uh, and the foot and and all of that. It's all it, it's all so much more connected then everything seems at first which is the only sort yeah. of tease that i'll give but so, it, it only gets better from from volume one that's the biggest good. thing every story that they've put on top of it has just enhanced it that much more um i just finished actually uh the latest volume which is uh, uh 
there was volumes one and two of City Fall, and then there was volume one. Uh, the volume after that is is uh, Northampton, and uh, it, it's 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 a very cool throwback to to the the original comics. Right, because um, yeah, they they do go to Northampton there yeah. to kind of retreat after yeah. a big battle. Yeah, so it's a really cool throwback to that, but then like propels everything forward. It, it's it is that respite that you need after a huge event like City Fall was for the Turtles, um, where they fought everybody and everything, and yeah. it was all crazy. And when when people get to that point, they'll understand what I'm yeah. talking about. Um, cool. So it's That's this good. really cool, like chill out and then. Uh, set up for the next uh, uh, part of the story, right? Um, and they're doing right now. They're doing Turtles in Time, which uh, which is sort of like a side story because they'll go off in time and then come, come back, back to right? exactly where they left off. So like the Fantastic Four did that recently. Yeah, so too. you don't have to actually read it if you don't want to, but yeah. obviously there will be repercussions. But um, the whole Turtles in Time aspect of it, it's just really exciting for me. So. So two other things I liked about this this volume, volume two, which is called "Enemies Old, Enemies New," mm. um, I liked the the they they hit a little bit of a mention of Planet Neutrino, which yeah. I don't know if that's from the comics, but it's from the cartoon, the yeah. '80s cartoon, and I totally didn't expect it to show up here. So um, I like that. I like yeah. those little little um, nods there. Yeah, especially yeah, so yeah. early in the story. Like absolutely, there's other stuff, more important things they could draw from, but instead they choose a little. Yeah, little nugget from then. I also really like the um, the relationship they're building between um, April and Casey. Yeah, and just like how I was saying that the relationship between Casey and Raphael is very organic. Um, I like this one between him and, and April as well. Also very organic, and it's yeah. neat to see both of them um, finding out who they are, uh, rather than like let's say the cartoon that or or the comics even as well that has sort of a fully formed Casey and a fully formed April yeah. already existing and then meeting now they get to discover who they are but also the world of the turtles together um I think in a much more organic way too so uh looking forward to seeing where that ends up as well cool so yeah that's all we need to say about that um and the, the last one which um we had a, a couple of people say they were kind of disappointed to hear mm-hmm. how we were talking about powers because yeah. we we really didn't like it. Yeah. Um, but and here's the thing: is I love the concept. It's such a good concept, and um, I don't know if it was the first time that that kind of thing had had gone around. It's definitely one of the earlier times we've yeah. taken a step back uh, in the superhero world, which we'll talk about a lot in this episode. Yeah. Um, but so I went unfortunately and, to the same result for me, but Oh yeah. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I read volumes two, three, four f- and five Yeah. of powers. I did a lot of sort of skimming through it because a lot of it is skim worthy, I think as well. <laughs> um, but it, it does get better. Okay. Uh, the second volume w- was not that great. It, it had a great concept about um, a group of, of teenagers or young adults who are role-playing superhero roles and mm. then they get in then they start dying like a super villain comes and starts actually killing them off and so the two detectives are sent in to to investigate and it has that same sort of non-ending that the first one does which uh. i was kind of disappointed um the third volume featured a superhero who wound up naked in a motel room um and so they go to investigate 
and um, this is a big spoiler alert at the end of the episode he just died of a heart attack or something that was it <laughs> <laughs> they had this huge investigation and it he just died <laughs> it was wow so um, and then volume 4 is where the plot actually starts ramping up and you can see that there's okay. they're building up to a bigger picture uh, and that's when the story gets more interesting and the writing gets a little bit better as well yeah. um, the, the main problem that we had with the writing is the kind of the rambling and yeah and such and that doesn't really get better uh, all every character kind of talks the same way and has the same voice the same sort of rambling or stuttering or whatever it is that Bendis does with his writing um, but at least the the plots are are like all of these storylines are interesting at the beginning but then they haven't really wrapped up very well uh and so i'm sure if i read a little bit further then it's going to get better um the artwork also gets a little bit better he still has a little bit of that um i don't know just weird poses yeah and um and that kind of thing just inconsistent um body mass and, and perspective that, and yeah that kind of thing um he starts using a thinner line which i think helps a little bit mm. um and also the colorist does a lot of uh, uh is is one of the things i liked about the first volume was the coloring because it yeah. was very kind of monotone and bleak and stuff and then yeah. the in later volumes it becomes more of your typical image comic style color job yeah yeah um so it it hides a lot of that i think as well so it, it looks I'll it looks say, slicker i a, a good example of that style done well would be uh, Chew, which which I'll probably end up throwing in as a pick at some point. Okay, um, because it's a really great comic. Cool, and it's very it's image it's very similar of like sort of the uh, classic comic book sort of thing, but but from a different perspective with with uh, some superpower related stuff and cops. Okay. But, uh, but if you want to see that sort of style, that sort of animated style with those sort of blocky colors and everything, and that that uh, limited palette, <clears throat> Chew is a really great comic example of that. Just look up some some panels or whatever, okay. so that people know when we're saying. Because um, one of my things when when people criticize a piece of media, the worst thing in the world is when they go, "I don't like it." because I don't like this, this, and this. But then you can't turn around and say, here's a really good example of when doing that actually works, right? right. Like that's sort of, um, I think in being a well-rounded uh, connoisseur of comic books, that's that's one of the most important parts is uh, not just going, well, I don't like superhero books, <laughs> right? But being able to say, uh, I've read good superhero stories and I've read bad superhero stories. And on the whole, I don't like superhero stories. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's not your thing, that's not your thing. But have a have a have a justification. Like be able to have a conversation with it. And you have to know more than just that one thing that you're talking about. Right. So um, yeah, I, I, powers is probably something that I won't really jump into because because yep. uh, I definitely felt burnt by that. Yeah, but. and I don't think I'll read any more. I mean, if it took this long to get going, I I've, yeah. I've already invested too much time in it, and I, you know, people really like it. Yeah, and um, I can see where the the draw is, and it's just not our thing. Well, you know, and and they're doing the TV series, so uh, well, TV series, the PlayStation exclusive yeah, series. Right. Um, so wait and see how that goes, because uh, that might actually be the better version of it, right? Like you, yeah. sometimes you don't know. Sometimes, sometimes something comes out and uh, 
And there are people who would prefer the the Walking Dead TV show to the comic books. Right. Um, I definitely prefer Game of Thrones as a TV show than I do as the novels. Because when you see people's faces, it's easier to keep track of Bran, Braun, and Brienne, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like as opposed to reading all these names in yeah. a book and trying to go, now which character was that? Right. Um, so so you never know. Some 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 stories work better for other people in other mediums and yep. that's just kind of the way that it goes well and maybe we'll revisit this when the tv show yeah yeah comes I, th- out. I think definitely once the pilot uh comes out the first episode that we'll 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 talk about it for sure because i'll be watching it because yeah. but we could also on, ask so. um our listeners yeah tell us why you like it so much and our um, are comments unfounded? Do yeah. we, are we totally off our nut here? <laughs> you know, um, we'd love to hear what you have to say about this. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, the pullbox podcast at gmail.com. Right. That's our email. So, so if you, if you have comments, uh, about last month, the months before, like really any of the books that we've covered so far, cause we're only three episodes in at this point. Yeah. I, if you've got any comments about any of them, we're, uh, we're happy to hear from you guys. We want this to be an open dialogue, not just what Curtis and I think, but what you guys think as well. So, yeah. Well, let's dive into our selections for this month. Yeah. So, uh, first up is my pick, uh, Ex Machina, the first hundred days, which is the the first volume uh, of of Ex Machina, um, written by Brian K. Vaughn, my favorite Your comic favorite. book artist or uh, author, uh, and illustrated by Tony Harris. Um, with uh, let's see. Uh, inks by Tom Feister and colors by J.D. Mettler. Um, it's really Brian K. Vaughn and Tony Harris that are sort of the, the power duo on this one. Um, I I think that this is one of Brian K. Vaughn's best ongoing works. Uh, uh, he, he did wrap up Ex Machina, so it's all finished. Uh, I haven't finished it because as we talked about uh, previously, Brian K. Vaughn has a little bit of trouble with the dismount <laughs> uh, which his, is odd that he becomes your favorite guy if he doesn't yeah. wrap up his stories yeah uh, yeah but my, one of my things is that each volume is self-contained this is this story has a beginning a middle and an end um well sort of it does but it's also very much like an episode of lost where you've got flashbacks and flash forwards right and, and yeah and that's sort of that's thing. actually the, the first thing that jumped out, out of me you you we read the first six pages or so and we're yeah. in like three or four different times yeah um the the present right at the very beginning which i love that that opening it's the whole um this is the end of the world and i caused it let me tell you my story yeah uh, like that's a great way to open anything and then um to the 70s uh 2002 and uh 1999 so right off the bat we were jumping all, all over the place yeah yeah so it it, it, it does it takes place across across sort of these three or four different timelines well, times it, in in mitchell hundreds life well not um, just his life it well i mean yeah it is his life but it also lies it, it says right here at the beginning that this is the story for the four years that he's in office beginning yeah. 2002 to 2005 so i like also there um He's got a plan, or I think I hope Brian K. Vaughn had a plan yeah. um, for, for for however long this is going to go. Uh, and yeah, it does bounce back to the seventies when when Hundred was a was a kid, but um, at least we know that there is there's going to be a fairly linear timeline here. Yeah, 
So, um, just to get right into it, uh, th- th- for those who may not know, uh, th- there's going to be spoilers in this conversation. There's no way to, to sort of digest uh, a book like this without talking about some pretty heavy spoilers. Well, and we're not a review site. Yeah. yeah. Reviews kind of hopefully will contain the spoilers, but uh, we are a book club. Yeah. So we want to discuss the actual content of the book. Yeah. So you get to the end of the first issue. And you discover that Mitchell Hundred, uh, we've discovered earlier in this issue, he can speak to machines uh, through some weird accident. Not really sure what it's all about. You don't really find out in the first volume. Um, but for some reason, he can speak to machines. And he also has all of these visions of, of technology and things that he can build. So he builds a jetpack, he builds a ray gun, he builds all of these, a disintegrator pistol, actually. Uh, all these different things, and he becomes the great machine. Uh, Which it's I think sort is of a bumbling, terrible name it's, for a superhero. Yeah, it's horrible, right? Um, but I think it's intentionally horrible, right? Um, and uh, it's a, it's like a real world superhero story, yet another real world superhero story. Um, but I think for this one, there's so much more reality. And when you get to that last page of the first issue, uh, that reality really hits you full force as you see uh the light from one of the twin towers and then the other tower still standing which yeah. uh tells you we're in an alternate universe yep. and and uh the great machine diverted the second plane and uh and and saved the the second tower from from collapsing on 9-11 so which would place him as probably the 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 most important person of the 21st century yeah yeah um yeah definitely so the cool thing about it is that by only diverting half of the disaster uh you still get to play with new york post 9-11 yeah um it's still a very big part of the story and him being the mayor you're dealing with a lot of the same problems that that new york dealt with in those years after but at the same time it's this different world where he is it was a superhero and did this amazing thing and and saved thousands of lives i don't even know the numbers there but but i like you say most important person in, well american I american say. yeah most um, important yeah. american um and and changes the course of history as we knew it right so i uh, it's a it's a really cool thing that that is sort of the the setting the backdrop to the story but it's not the story in and of itself, which is a thing that I love about Brian K. Vaughn and the way that he writes is he's so great at setting the scene, putting you in a place, uh, having a lot of very relatable uh, landmarks and sort of checkpoints so that we can always take stock and go, okay, that's where we're at. I know that it's relatable. I understand this world, but then <laughs> he can talk to machines. So anything with any sort of complex moving parts he can communicate with and that's right down to a tumbler lock and up to a cell phone right yeah, that's um, pretty cool this is a very cool power set a very interesting unique power set i think and with, i like uh, the, with some cool rules which yeah, is something I that i always say, like he puts limitations on himself yeah. which i yeah. think is a uh, is respectable and uh um and hard to do so yeah it was it's uh it's neat it's a neat uh way to view a guy who has the powers but mm-hmm. um 
first of all, has has decided not to use them. Yeah. And to use a different set of powers, which is his, well, his mind or his authority as mayor. Yeah. Yeah. And he doesn't want to cross the two. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I like this. The, the, um, it, the, I think I had the same problem with this as I had with the, the first volume of Turtles, is it's so much, uh, mm-hmm. set up. It, there's so much set up. The whole book is set up. Yeah. Um, that uh not i don't think that a whole lot is really accomplished sure um in this one volume so i mean it entices you to buy the next one but i have this thing about liking a a little bit more self-contained stories okay but that's just my issue um well i mean they they do set up a mystery uh pretty quick i think it may be even the first issue might be the second that's true yeah with um the the snowplow guys yeah so so there is like there is that plot line, but the greater plot of the Great Machine and and Mitchell Hundred and how he became mayor is uh, teased yeah. very much so in the first volume, and it's something that that even in the second and the third volume, I think you you sort of you uncover pieces of it in each volume, um, and it's always kind of relating back. Now this it's the funny thing is that Brian K. Vaughn actually wrote on the series Lost. Uh, yes, in season right. four and five, I think, and uh, Ex Machina is very similar in a lot of respects. Uh, in that sort of, if each volume functions as an episode, the the flashbacks a lot of the time correlate to what's going on in right. the story. Right? There's okay, there's a cool. lot of story uh, that that supports the the present day plot, Good. Um, which. Great. If you're going to do flashbacks, that's the way to do it, right? Yeah. That's the way The Lost did it. That's the way that Arrow does it. Well, that's so the way most shows post-Lost do it. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. But this was happening, uh, I believe, alongside Lost. It was sort of... Yeah, um, it would have been the same years, yeah. Yeah, and I think this is this is sort of the book that that got him that job. This, oh, okay. this, is, this is what you would point to and go, yeah, he could write an episode of Lost. Uh, more than Why the Last Man or Runaways. Yeah. At least so, uh, yeah. And Ex Machina, it ah, it's so difficult to place uh, like my favorite Brian K. Vaughn because they're all awesome for different reasons. But uh, but I would say of his ongoing series, Ex Machina is probably my favorite. And I do need to pick up the rest of it and and sort of finish um, the rest of the the story and see where where uh, uh, Mare Hundred ends up by the end of it. But um, but it does in the volume start to sort of waver further on down the road. I feel like what happened was he had a beginning and he had an end and it was sort of those middle stories that he wasn't a hundred percent sure what he was going to do. So yeah. it kind of, it's kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but still I'm better than a lot of comics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's our review. Eh, better than a lot of comics. <laughs> in the middle. The beginning, though, I think right. is really strong. Those first five volumes are really, really strong. Um, I also wanted to point out that this storyline with the snowplows yeah. has better detective work in it mm. than Powers. Yes. <laughs> it's got better detective work in it than a lot of Batman stories. Yeah, right. Um, definitely better than the Batman movies of late. Yeah. But. We're going to be known as the guys who rag on Powers in every episode now. <laughs> It might become the whipping boy, but okay. One um, comments about the art, uh, yeah. really, really neat, and I especially liked the the idea of actually showing and crediting the 
the the live action uh, reference models yeah. at the back of it. Um, something you don't usually see, and uh, it was especially neat to see how well, how exact he, yeah. he uses his photo reference. Yeah. Um, and we saw that last month with Road to Perdition. There's some pretty exact photo reference there as well. Mm. And I don't know how many comic book artists actually go to those those lengths. Yeah. I feel, well, I feel like Brian Hitch does that. Yes, he does. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't be able to name very many others. Um, well, uh, that, this is why I say, like at the beginning, uh, that that they're kind of a power duo because this story, in order for it to work, needs to be very grounded. It needs to be very real. Right. And uh, Tony Harris's art has this um, hyper real aspect to it yeah. where like it's so real it's kind of that uncanny valley thing of, of uh, it almost feels traced almost rotoscoped well, but it kind of is it, 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 it absolutely like it, it has that quality because he's so tightly right maintains so, his reference right the, kind of like yeah. the Alex Ross sort of aspect although Alex right. Ross it's much more photorealistic because he's painting it Right. This but is then more you of a do graphic get a little bit more stiff poses. You do because yeah, it's not as dynamic. Yeah, you can't uh, draw to the extremes when you're copying a photograph yeah. of people posing. So. But yeah, so that, but that's that's kind of for me where that hyper reality of it comes in is in that that um, everything's tableau, everything's kind of the that superposed. Yeah, um, and then and then really 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 pulled from that reference. Yeah, um, but like I said, it it backs up the story because you almost um you almost see these characters as actors you see them see the scenes in your head as happening unfolding in front of you whereas a lot of comics i think you you, you, there's a lot of work to fill in the frames in between right um and and a lot of a lot of comic artists rely on your brain making those leaps especially in fight scenes and stuff like that which is okay and that's action. that's part Absolutely. of the medium yeah. that's part yeah. of the medium yeah but this is a comic that because there's not a lot of action because the action is a lot of the time very subtle or subdued um very cinematic yeah uh, that it it works everything supports it it's it's a it's it's a, a perfect pairing for this story specifically um and and I really love his artwork. It, it's it's something I wish that I had had the ability to do, but it's a very specific skill set. Um, yeah. Well, and the other thing I really liked is the colorist and what was the yeah. name? J D. Mittler. Um, there are no black lines in this book mm-hmm. other than the uh, around the panel edges and in the gutters. Yeah. Um, and the words. Everything is a hue of something, which really adds to the the mood because um, yeah. you, you'll get uh, um, bedroom scenes at night where it's supposed to be dark and mysterious and people are in the shadows and all of the lines are purple yeah like a really dark purple it really adds to that atmosphere or you have um, they're in a basement where it's kind of dark and dingy and all of the lines are kind of a, um, a dirty yellow green color yeah um, it I like that that effect a lot and it, um, I think that there was a when he's using his powers they have some sort of effect yeah he's he's got like these scars on the side of his face that that will sort of light up green and when he speaks to to machines 
his word bubble changes. Right. Yeah. It, he's it, a different type yeah, face. Yeah. It becomes a, a different typeface and it's green and it's very, I feel like it's very, uh, it's very Wachowski brothers inspired. Like it's very matrix inspired. Right, yeah. the, the sort of the cinematic quality to it. Um, where everything's kind of color time for been those different things. The heyday of matrix as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Um, cool. So that's, that's ex machina. Well, I um, think I'll check out a couple more volumes of this and, uh, give my report next yeah, month <laughs> yeah absolutely i'm 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 interested to hear what you uh what you have to say about the rest of it cool well the next one on our list is battling boy which is a fairly new release it came out in 2013 um and it is by paul pope who um who i only have read one other of his work and that's 100 percent, which was a vertigo title i believe um and it was excellent uh, we, and then he also did a Batman story, which I think was year one hundred or something along those lines, um, about an old aging Batman. And I never read that one, but it, people seem to like it. Um, this is his first um, foray into uh, graphic novels that are aimed more toward kids. It's published by First Second Book, uh, which is a comic publisher for specifically for uh, for younger readers. Mm. And this one is aimed more for 8 to 12, but it holds its own, that's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and it, it start, stars this boy, uh, battling boy, and it's a coming of age story. Um, he's just turned, what is it, 14 or something like that, and he's now set to go on his very first mission. Um, and kind of like, I think. Don't the Vulcans have that kind of thing in Star Trek? They, yeah. Spock was sent on, on this mission when he was that age, too. Like, that kind of thing. It's like a send you off to a, an impossible situation, and if you survive, you're a man. If you don't, well, you weren't worthy for the task anyway. Yeah. So yeah. he's sent to um, this city, Arcopolis, uh, which I guess is... I, they don't say whether it's on Earth or not, mm. um, but it could be. It's very familiar to us. And he's supposed to save the city that is ravaged by these giant monsters. And uh, he, in this this book, he just can't do it. Yeah. He, he realizes that he's not up to the task, so he's got a lot to learn. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a good story. You and you'd never heard of it before, right? Uh, no, I think I think maybe like I'd seen solicitations because it, it seemed familiar when you suggested it. I Paul Pope, obviously, I've I've heard of because he's done a lot of other stuff, but um, never not super familiar, right? Like just sort of names that yeah. that float around in the ether that you pick up here and there, um, hanging out in comic book stores and stuff. But I I was super excited the second that that Curtis said that this was going to be his pick I I you know Googled it obviously and uh, and saw some of the art and was just in love with it from from the get go just this he's just the incredible such a great sort style. Of, yeah like a, a it's a very um, it's a very heavy ink uh, style sort of like a almost a sumi sort of. Uh, uh, yeah, a little line. Chinese brush kind of. Yeah, exactly. Um, got that influence in there. But then with, I, uh, I, uh, a very like Mobius esque mm. world that yeah. it's in, and definitely with the color palette and the and the styling of the colors. Um, there's not a lot of shading in the coloring. It's It's solid colors. All of the shading comes from the black lines. Yeah, with the exception uh, of a few gradient backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's all solid colors yeah. and that uh, shows a lot for and, and Paul Pope is a 
Um, he does his own inking as well, so yeah, he does a he does a great job. Um, it's it, black and white would be just as effective, mm-hmm. but we get this awesome. Uh, I'll refer to it as sort of like stereo color. Yeah, like Which, it's just it the the color is a character, like it's an aspect of the story that helps tell the story um, and sets the world and and really lets you know what kind of a of a world you're in. And I, I love it. I love every single page of it. Even if the story for me might be a little bit weak on, on plot and weak on character development. Um, it's, I don't even know how many pages are they numbered? Uh, um, they are a hundred, 200 so pages. Yeah. So about 200 pages, um, and not a lot happens, but it doesn't matter because every page is, is a beautiful work of art. <laughs> like you could frame it and put it on a wall. Yeah. Um, it feels a lot like a like a John Carter, uh, sort of Edgar Rice Burroughs oh, yeah. uh, uh, adventure um, mixed with that sort of seventies Marvel, um, sort of like that. It's just a very cool uh, retro pulp feel to it. Um, everything feels lived in and and you know like it's it's a world that's existed for yeah. a while, even though we're just being dropped into it, mm-hmm. which I really like. Well, and funny you should mention that because the um, this later this year, I think in September, yeah, um, there's going to be a prequel book. They're not doing the volume two of this, which is too bad because this book ends on a sort of a cliffhanger. Yeah, um, they're doing a uh, a prequel story, so we learn more about Aurora West and her father Haggard Haggard West. Okay, um, which I think Haggard West sure seems like a reference to Adam West. There's a lot yeah. of Adam West characteristics there yeah. pretty sure there's a, a tie in there um so they're doing a book for aurora west which is going to be two parts so two books and okay. then so i think they're doing this one battling boy then they did aurora west and then the following year is going to be battling boy part two okay and then the year after that is aurora west part two so they're they're already showing us that they're going to expand this world a lot yeah. more it's not just about battling boy it's about um a lot more than that okay because to me it feels a lot like a um, sort of like a superhero Harry Potter like a comic book Harry Potter they've established this world for him and and this task that he has he's got to clear this city out of all the monsters um, and and show the the humans that that heroes are real and all this sort of stuff like these very lofty uh, ideas from from his parents um, and he's been given, a set this is one of my favorite parts of the whole thing he's got a set of t-shirts yeah yeah that each give him not necessarily superpowers but aspects of that totem yeah. so i at one point he, he the first one that he puts on is tyrannosaurus rex because he's gonna t- t-rex is is pretty awesome he's powerful he's strong but he's got those little tiny arms doesn't matter like let's fight the monster with it um, it doesn't go so well for him. So the next time he sits down to to call on the shirts, he puts fox and elephant in front of him. So the fox is clever, the elephant is wise, and he puts on the fox shirt, and it almost like works against him <laughs> because the fox is like, you know, what you should do, you should just get your father to solve all your problems. Just lie to him, right? And 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 he's got to sort of battle with this idea that like. He can't rely on the powers. He has to use the powers. And he talks to the elephant, and the elephant's also not helpful because he's like, well, you know everything you need to do already. 
just do that yeah right and uh it's it's just a um it's a coming of age and he has to he has to figure this out on his own he has to do it yeah. by himself he has to be a man on his own terms and and i just think that's a really cool story for young people when you say that that this comic is aimed at younger kids i i think it's kind of perfect like it it's it's got some of those things that i feel like i the it's the young reader books often miss and that's um it there's a reluctance to being a hero but there's also like you've got to kind of embrace it you have to you have to do it feel like harry potter if we can compare battling boy and harry potter <laughs> uh harry even right up until the bitter end doesn't want anything that he's being given he doesn't want any of the responsibility he doesn't want the power he doesn't want any of it and for me that it's kind of weak it's almost the postmodern luke skywalker of like rather than wanting adventure and excitement they you, you don't want that in order to have some sort of a perceived humbleness um, but at the same time, you need to have some ambition. You need to, and, and he looks at his father and goes, well, my father is this great, he's, his father is Thor basically, yep. right? Yep. Like that's, that's essentially who his dad is. And he looks at him and goes like, I could never be that. I don't know how to be that. And that's the whole point is that he, he looks at his dad and he, that's what he thinks he has to be. But I think the story will be him discovering, no, you got to be your own superhero. You have to discover those powers inside you. Which is and, why he gives him t-shirts that are going to work against him. Yeah. Like, his father packed him the Fox one, even yeah. though he probably knew it was not going to turn out well. Yeah. Um, I also like that the fact that he uses the Griffin one, and it gets destroyed. So we can yeah. see that he's got to be careful with his picks as well. Yeah. Um, one of the things I really liked about the... Um, about the the art is that battling boy looks like a 13 year old yeah and i may i think i made this comment when we were reading all new x-men in the first episode mm. that these 16 year olds didn't really look or act like 16 year olds except for the Iceman. i thought he did it they did a good job with him. yeah um battling boy looks like it he's got the body type of a just a lanky teenager yeah um and his attitude toward things is kind of like that as well um and I thought that his character was really well written in that sense. Yeah. Um, so way better than Bendis did with absolutely with with New X Men with those sixteen year olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's funny because uh, like where I say I that I don't feel like there's a lot of plot that that develops or or goes anywhere really because it does kind of end on not I don't even think of it as a cliffhanger so much as like it ends at the beginning of the story right right yeah. um everything is just pure setup for the entire book yeah there's some cool action and stuff that happens there's definitely a plot to it but nothing fulfills itself everything's yeah. just kind of setting setting the uh, battleground for what will be the series um but even at the same time it is expertly crafted like it's it's it it's a fully realized world that you want to know more about and that's it almost works against it to a certain degree because by the end of it when you don't know more about it you don't know what's going to happen yeah you're sitting there going like well give me the next volume already right? and then the so, next volume is not coming yeah yeah it's going to be another whole it feels year. a lot like mouse guard to me where i i for those who have read mouse guard those who keep up to date with it i 
Yeah, we started, just keep on getting these legend stories. Yeah, we started on like the first two volumes, continuing a story, yeah. and then then and the black axe the black axe story. drops in, and ever since the black axe, everything is world building, right? Yeah. And I don't yeah. want to know more about the black axe. I want to yeah. know about our heroes. But what is the re- well? Actually, that's I'm, we'll get into that. Another time. I don't want. <laughs> I was going to ask what's the reason for that. Why is the story halted? But um, that's not something we need to talk about now. I'll ask you after we stop recording. <laughs> And we'll talk about it when we eventually drop a volume of Mouse Guard right. <laughs> into the podcast. Um, yeah. Well, let's... Um, let, I, I think that when the second volume of this comes out, or depending on if the Rise of Aurora is any good, um, yeah. uh, I might bring Battling Boy Volume 2 into into the net, what, a future episode as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's cool that we're reading... Uh, we, we have a good mix of of stuff that's been out for a while uh stuff that's considered classic and yeah. stuff that i think i think uh, you know if enough people get their hands on this that this this will be a new classic this mm-hmm. is uh something that that i definitely think uh is good for for that um sort of that that 10 to to 15 year old range where you're not quite ready for mature comics but you're kind of done with the kitty stuff like the brave and the bold uh uh, superman adventures type stuff um it's a cool transition where you're being trusted with a little bit more responsibility story-wise but uh, and and thematically and action but at the same time there's not too much going on that it's difficult so yeah easy to um, follow the 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 roles of the characters are clear and defined Um, are very archetypical yeah. but but also there's some subtlety because the mayor is a very oh that's true he's uh, kind of weaselly yeah he's a very interesting character because you're looking at him and you're going like well he's the mayor of this city but the city's under siege and how does he handle that and he's more concerned with PR than he is yeah. with saving the city no wonder it's in ruins right yeah. um, so some cool some cool stuff to, to dig into for uh, for those young readers so if anybody out there listening has uh, uh, some young readers out there that need a comic book to get into. It's a, it's a good one. I think it'll grab them. I think it's it's got all the makings of the that genre of I that, so. that young reader genre. Cool. Um, cool. Well, let's let's uh, let's jump into our last uh, book for this month, uh, Astro City, uh, Volume One, Life in the Big City. Um, I don't think that well, we forgot to print uh, the the name oh, of the yeah. person who suggested this. Yeah, thing. this was suggested by Craig Elliott. Okay. And he didn't give us the exact reasons why he chose it, but it said if we wanted a good look at a superhero book, a superhero comic from a different perspective, yeah. then this is one that we should check out. Yeah. And I think he said that because of, um, was it maybe Powers? Because we were talking about that. So here's another, yeah. here's yeah, another one. Um, kind of like Ex Machina as well where we we have a world of superheroes but we're looking at it from a different perspective yeah um so we've actually we've got an email so let's uh let's let's read the email about uh about Astro City first should we give a little summary about what the oh yeah sure I so Astro City is basically uh like an anthology it's basically the DC universe without all the characters that we know and love right (laughs) Um, that might be giving a little bit more of my opinion. That's not exactly an objective summation, but it's it's a world full of superheroes that that exists. Uh, it, we're not dropped in at the beginning of the story. We're dropped in in the middle. 
um, and it is it's an anthology. So each issue is focusing on a different aspect of this world, not necessarily always heroes, um, right. and uh, sometimes to great effect, sometimes not so much. Which you're going to get with an anthology yeah. series yeah. for sure, um, and definitely a very fleshed out world. Definitely a lot going on. But I, you know, I'll save my opinion on it until after we we read this email. Sure. So. Okay. So our email is from Alan, and he says, "Thanks, guys, for having Astro City as one of the suggestions. Um, it was one of those that I kind of skipped when it first came out because I would only read DC and Marvel stuff." Um, and a quick comment on that: um, this was originally um, uh, published by uh, Homage Comics. Or okay. homage comics um, by which is was oh, created by Kurt Busiek, um, who wrote this this comic. Okay. Um, that then, explains a lot. And they yeah and they yeah exactly then they yeah um, and then that comic company was actually owned by Wildstorm. It was an imprint of mm. Wildstorm, and then Wildstorm was bought by DC, and then yeah. Astro City was folded into the Vertigo. Uh, world and I see in your copy of Astro City it's actually labeled DC Comics, which is interesting. Because well. this printing is post New Fifty Two, and when they did New Fifty Two, uh, they they've almost erased the Vertigo imprint. Uh, there's a few comics that are still considered Vertigo, but a lot of stuff, particularly Wildstorm, has been folded into the DC universe. Right. So where I think Astro City sits now is one of the universes i think it's i think it's considered part of the dc universe and we'd see it pop up in a crisis or something like that uh, i think at some point we will because yeah. uh, they're doing current astro city that's true stories yeah. and and so i think uh, having samaritan show up alongside captain marvel sorry shazam ugh, and uh and superman yeah. uh, is is something that we could probably I don't know if I would say look forward to in the future because Superman's not Superman anymore and Captain Marvel is now Shazam, which... Well, maybe Samaritan will be the Samaritan, familiar hero that at we the, know At love. this point, Samaritan's more Superman than Superman is yeah. in the DC Universe. So, okay. um, continue the email. Yeah. Uh, he says, I finally got... I'm, I'm glad I finally got to check it out. I quite enjoyed it. It was a fun take on superheroes which didn't involve the famous well-established characters from the DCU or Marvel, yet it felt like Busiek had enough backstory to feel like this city has existed for a very long time. Well, that's because they're all characters that we already know, mm -hmm. so he, they don't need to be fleshed out. And I think yeah. that works to his advantage, because yeah. then you don't have to spend time explaining where Samaritan stands in the whole spectrum. Yeah. Like, he's obviously Superman, so he, that he, he's going to stand for the same things. Yeah. Um, then, let's see, what else does he say here? Probably my favorite aspect of this Astro City trade was that most of the stories weren't even from the perspective of the actual heroes. They were on, uh, they were either from the view of a bystander, a chump villain, a visiting alien, and so on. Uh, this was a great device, as used in other the other Alex Ross project, The Marvels, which uh, Busiek does give credit to as an inspiration. Um, he also says, as an as an X Men fan, he uh, it was fun to see the homage to them in Chapter Five. A team of outcasts called the Irregulars, which I thought was like the Outsiders. That's um, what I thought as well. Yeah, I, but, I, I definitely drew more parallels to DC than Marvel. Yeah, um, but I can see the X Men being tied yep. in there as well, and because they're sort of generic, then yeah, yeah. of course. Um, he says there's even a Colossus wannabe, and if you know Alan, he's a big mm -hmm. Colossus fan. So, 
course he's going to mention that. <laughs> um, as for the artwork by Brent Anderson, it was very fitting for the style that was needed. Nothing too flashy or manga inspired, and it has a nice retro look to it. Well, it's retro because it's now twenty years old. Yeah. but I like uh, uh, definitely a little bit of a, of a of a bias going on there in that in that comment. It's not manga inspired. Yes, so, uh, yeah, he, yeah. There's definitely, <laughs> definitely, you can see that. Um, I'd be interested to hear your take on this trade, and perhaps even talk about Astro City's further volumes or runs that take place after this trade. Were they able to keep up the quality? Um, by these first few issues so that's a good question I might take another trade or two yep. up from the library to see if they do now I could see the anthology story carrying on for a while but I would assume that there will start to be a more overarching story yeah. I think that's kind of just naturally how things go but um, I should hope so you should hope so well I you know and that's the thing about anthology series is that um, you you like some of them and you don't like some of them and this um and and that's okay mm -hmm. i think that uh not every story is going to be a winner you don't have to like every episode of the twilight zone and uh, yeah um but the ones that you do like keep you coming back for more i think so hopefully maybe there were more that you didn't like than, <laughs> than you did like but what were some of the ones that you did like i uh, you know i definitely liked the um the the the, the sort of it starts off looking like it's going to be a christmas story um <laughs> which probably tells you what month it was published in uh it was probably a uh oh the a, one a, with the villain the one with yeah, that cracker a december and he he spots that he sees the villain's face uh no 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 um no the one oh, the with, one with the alien the one with the alien so I, uh, you you sort of follow this old man as he's sort of scoping out all of the superheroes and uh and then you find out by the end of it that, or about the middle of it actually, that that he's actually an alien from another planet that's sort of sizing up Earth for invasion uh, from the inside. And uh, but he's he sort of follows along with this superhero Crackerjack and uh, uh, his exploits to to see like, oh, is it worth you know? destroying the planet or more you know harvesting it or whatever they're gonna do um i i thought it was really cool i like the way that it, that it plays out i but my problem with astro city as a whole is that you're trading on it's sort of the the thing that you talked about i you were sort of saying it as a positive light but i feel like it's really trading on on those archetypes on those characters that we know and love but it doesn't have any of the um, doesn't have any of the weight. It doesn't have any of the history of those characters, right? So Samaritan, rather than feeling like an homage to Superman, really feels more like a ripoff of Superman to me. I, I Cracker Jack, I couldn't even tell you who he's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, but like the Creeper or something. Yeah, like, like he's kind of got. He's kind of got a bit of like a Booster Gold thing going on, where he's very much oh, like... Oh, Cracker Jack. No, I was thinking Jack in the Box. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, um, but yeah, Cracker Jack, he's kind of, like, he's kind of boasty. He's full of himself. I was thinking um, Batrock the Leaper the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. He has no powers to speak of, but like, the 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 character designs to me are, are very uh, uh, amateurish. Like, there's... Like... Uh, Samaritan is the only one that ever feels iconic. 
everybody else f- feels feels uh, like you're playing a video game. Like, right. well, uh, and I think that's because where you get to create your own superhero. They probably had a great idea with the one character. Sure. But then in every anthology, you are visiting a, a whole host of new heroes. The old soldier was the uh, the only other one that I felt like, oh, that's a cool idea. He's kind of like Captain America, but he's not specifically American. He appears every time there's a conflict, a great conflict. Yeah. Um, and so he's got like all of these trappings of these different eras that he's fought in. So I thought like, oh, that's cool. But then it was like, well, well he's kind of a unique character. Like he's not... He's yeah. not a, a ripoff of anything right. else, or which means no he'll probably come back and they'll probably use yeah. him more in the future um, uh, future issues. But yeah, like so. At, at the end of the day, uh, my biggest problem with it is just that we don't live with anybody or anything for long enough to really connect, um, and what we do see is so close to the characters that we know and love that it just, it, to me it just reeks of a, of a, of a writer um, upset that he didn't get to write the stories with the characters that he wanted to so he right. said well I, you won't let me play with the characters in your sandbox so I'm going to go build my own sandbox right. and, that and, and tell Superman <laughs> stories myself he right? could, maybe he did pitch this to DC yeah. because it would work with all of those characters absolutely here. Um, but then, but then you don't get those. Like, characters. like the last issue of this volume is essentially Superman and Wonder Woman go, go on, a on a date. Yeah. In in 1995, when that sort of thing wasn't really. Oh yeah, aren't they doing it. that now in the New Fifty Two? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it, that, this is the problem with the New Fifty Two is that the New Fifty Two thinks it's still the '90s and is telling the same kind of stories that we've already told. But I don't know. I think I would enjoy it more if it was actually DC, if it was Superman and Wonder Woman, because. There would be some sort of um, some sort of gravitas to to why we're telling the stories, but like the other aspect of that is that uh, we're reading this out of context. We're reading it now in 2014, 20 years yeah. later, well, which what... I think is unfair because we've also got rising stars. We've also got the television show Heroes. We have all of these other. Uh, versions of this type of a story of this type of a, an idea of taking right. DC and Marvel characters that we know and love and telling their stories from different perspectives so I've read well, a lot the, of comics the boys, like that. Have you read The Boys? I haven't read The Boys. That one's a, that one's a good one to check out. Similar with this a group of people just kind of trying to stop these, these superheroes from okay. our, so it's from the, from the perspective of normal people as well but um, the the one thing that you mentioned here is that we're reading it out of context. Yeah. And so the last issue where Superman and Wonder Woman are Samaritan and what I don't even remember her name. What was it? Winged, uh, winged, Just, vi- winged, winged Victory. Winged Victory. Terrible and name. Winged Victory go on a date um, and they start telling a little bit about, about their backstory. And um, in Samaritan's backstory, he stops the space shuttle Challenger from being destroyed. Yeah. Which reminds me of that of ex machina and there. we didn't know that going into it the yeah. second that i got to that point i was like oh there's oh, a little okay. tie there yeah yeah and that um, might be one of the things that made this world different right yeah and and again another iconic um disaster yeah that in 1991 no um 96 i think this was published yeah um, that's still fresh on everybody's mind yeah. um so probably yeah. the most most uh recent 
American, American catastrophe. Yeah, yeah. like uh, so. I, I I think that's interesting that we ended up connecting those yeah. dots without knowing it. Um, and then the cool. other thing is that in that conversation, Winged Victory is telling her backstory. Yeah, and is talking a lot about why why she does what she does, and it's because she her goal is to save women in order to show other women that they can empower themselves yeah. to do good. It's very and, much Wonder Woman's character. Yeah. Um, but even Wonder Woman didn't really. I, I, I mean, I didn't read a whole lot of Wonder Woman, so I can't that, really so say. So that's, but... I, I shouldn't say, that's very much Wonder Woman's character now. That's very okay. much, I, I but, in the rec- in recent years, what she's become. And I feel like in, this is really speaking to the state of comic book women in yeah. the mid-90s. Because in the, mid, in the mid-90s, it was the, it was the boom of the extra sexualized big breasted women yeah, who wore almost nothing like <laughs> yeah. you think in 96 when this comic debuted also debuted Lady Death and Witchblade okay. and then in 97 was the revamp of Vampirella um, and then 98 was Fathom so yeah. like that was the comic book industry in the mid 90s yeah was and that's that and was Danger a, Girl da, yeah Danger Girl Gen 13 like there was yeah. a whole ton of them that, that were along the similar lines yeah um, and so this is very kind of countercultural to that. I sure. thought it was an interesting commentary speaking to the way women were treated yeah. in comic books at yeah. that time. Yeah. yeah. And it's not to say that comic books are not like that now, but I feel like it really <laughs> has, um, they've, they've stopped doing that. I, I do think that we've progressed a lot in the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, I do think that there are a lot of really cool stories out there with female characters. Um, yeah. I think one of the best things is, is that, in that respect is that now we have things other than superhero comics right whereas in in the early to mid 90s that was really when we started to see that that was when uh, uh image started breaking off and and created the the environment the ecosystem for something other than superman and yeah. spider-man to, well and mouse to, was published around that time as well yeah. which is yeah yeah so so yeah like really setting the stage for the early 2000s when things like Ex Machina could could sort of start to come in there and have characters that didn't have superpowers that were important to the story. Um, mm-hmm. And now, like today, uh, sitting on my coffee table while we're doing this is the most recent issue of Saga. And if you want a comic that, that doesn't care if the characters are male or female, just who they are as people, I... Uh, that's that's the comic to go with that Brian gave on. Yeah, I was gonna say it doesn't help that uh, it doesn't hurt that it's your favorite guy, yeah. right? <laughs> um, okay, so overall, I I probably liked, uh, let's say, one. I liked the newspaper story. Okay. I liked the 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 thug who finds who sees Jack in the Box's face story, and then okay. he just becomes paranoid. Yeah. Um, and I liked the uh the the alien story as well the perfectly honest the samaritan story both of them i didn't really care for yeah um even though he seems like he's going to be their star character um and then there was the other story about the woman who lives up on the hill um the hill that's kind of possessed or whatever a lot of yeah it's kind of strange character i don't know what it was supposed to be but um didn't care for that one either so like you said hit or miss i'm i think i'll check out a couple more volumes to see if it I, I, I do. I th- I think that if it can stand on its own legs and not so much uh, relying on the crutch of DC and Marvel, um, I do think that that there's some good structure there. 
I I would love it if if I uh, further on down the road they start to redesign some characters and give them their own identities rather than um, you know being a, a a weaker version of Iron Man or I yeah. uh, you know or or just sort of these really lame attempts at unique superheroes. Uh, I, I think superhero costume design is a very difficult art, and there's a few people out there who are able to do new, interesting, exciting things. Jim Lee's not one of them, but uh-huh. I, uh, DC would have you believe otherwise. And I just don't think that that in this comic, I that it really gets the opportunity to to create its own identity. And that's my biggest issue is that it, it just wants to be DC so badly uh, from everything to the, the, the art style, the coloring, the just everything feels so much like DC, especially DC of that era, yeah. um, that, that it's hard to get away from comparing it. You can't just right. let it be its own thing. Yeah, and I go, I'm on the other end where I, I like that it it, mm. it is so much DC because that means I don't need to know about the heroes yeah, um, because they're already familiar and the first family is Fantastic Four so there's a little yeah. bit of Marvel in there's there as well there's a bit well. of Marvel um, but it's the characters are already there and they're not the focus of the stories except for maybe Samaritan yeah. but most of the heroes in there are not the focus so I don't need to worry about their backstory yeah. Yeah, I can really true. then take myself out of that and concentrate on the characters that I'm meeting for the first time the, the alien and the, yeah. the, the thug and um, the, the everyman who we're supposed to connect with anyway yeah yeah absolutely cool just gonna check so this. let's um we're gonna talk about our reader poll or our, our own selections i mean for next month yeah um but i think we're gonna try something new uh and see if maybe this is something we want to do in the future episodes and just do a quick quick hits about what we've been reading this month and what we recommend people check out yeah um, well, I'll go first. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, I'm reading Saga. It's probably the only... Uh, that's not true. Uh, I, As far as ongoing titles, the things that are in my saver, uh, I get Saga every month, and I get uh, The Star Wars. Um, I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> okay. I'm reading it because, uh, because for those who don't know, I have other Star Wars podcasts. Uh, so it's kind of... Uh, I jumped into it to read it so that I could talk about it. Um, and uh, it, it's hit and miss. There are some really cool things about it, but there's a lot of really lame stuff about it. Um, maybe when it's all collected, we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, and then the other ongoing that I'm getting right now is uh, the Clone Wars Darth Maul story that uh, got cut from the last season of the Clone Wars animated series and is being released in comic book form. So oh, good idea. So that's what I'm reading as far as issues go. Like I said, I keep up to date on Ninja Turtles, and I can't recommend it highly enough. It's Saga and Ninja Turtles are, are probably my two favorite comics right now. Um, but I'm also uh, still uh, going along with uh, uh, Superior Spider-Man. I've got the last volume, which now that I'm done all of my prescribed reading <laughs> yeah. for the month, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and finish that, and that's the last volume of Superior Spider-Man. And then Peter Parker's um, back. Yeah, and then Peter Parker's back, so we're getting ready for the relaunch of Amazing. And are you going to keep up with it, with that? I uh, I am. I'm going to keep... Well, I'll, I'll read the first volume of Amazing Spider-Man when it comes out, okay. um, and sort of see where it goes from there. But I really enjoyed Superior. Um, it's it's my favorite Marvel title from recent years, uh, and Marvel's been doing a lot of really cool stuff. 
So uh, there's that, and then there's all new X Men, which I'm also keeping up to date with. Awesome. Um, so that that's, I think that's pretty much it. That's that's what I'm what I'm doing right now. Good. Well, I'm keeping up on nothing up to date. Um, <laughs> Battling Boy and Ninja Turtles are the most recent things, the newest things that I've read. Um, I usually go for the older stuff. I go to the library and you know grab a, a handful of old graphic novels and see what's there. And so two of them that stuck out to me are are topics that I would never have any interest in, hmm. but the the books came highly regarded, so I picked them up. One was um, Hip Hop Family Tree volume one which was from fantagraphics and it's about the history of hip-hop music starting in the 70s with old guys like grandmaster flash that i've never heard of before because i don't know <laughs> anything about hip-hop music and i'm not into it at all yeah but it was really good that's cool. uh, yeah it was it opened my eyes i love music history as well so that's hmm. there's um i like that aspect of it and um, but I've never really explored this side of music history. Yeah. And so to see the beginnings of hip hop, um, and then there's also a discography at the back that lines up with what what I'm reading. So I can YouTube all of these songs that I've never heard before and learn and listen as I'm reading and finding it out. So um, I I recommend that for especially for people who like hip hop, um, but even for people who don't know anything about it, it mm-hmm. was I thought it was quite interesting, entertaining. Um, funny at times the guy's got a great style um, good writing the other one I read just this last weekend is called Logic Comics um, which is actually a Greek comic that was translated a few years back um, about the history of logics or, or of logic I mean the history of logic and how it fits in with mathematics which again is a topic I know nothing about <laughs> and don't really care for yeah. but it follows this one logician called uh, Russell uh, Bertrand Russell um, and his life as he tries to find the the logical meaning of of language and of mathematics and how it fits okay and it just it sounds like it'd be dull or boring but it was actually (laughs) really quite interesting i i learned a lot and it's got some uh really nice clean comic art that reminds me a lot of um david mazicelli who did um what is it batman year one but not in his that style he's okay. got a couple of different styles that he plays with he's got a really sort of cartoony clean style that he does for an, another book called asterisk polyp which i'm not sure if i pronounced that right but um reminds me of that and there's a little bit of scott mcleod's understanding comics in there as well kind of self-referencing itself and uh really great so there's two books that i just read that i, I really enjoyed and you should check out cool so what are we doing this month what is on our reading list what are we pulling, Mike? Uh, okay, my pull is uh, Xenozoic. I, folks might actually know this better by the name Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, uh, which there was a uh, cartoon in the 90s as well as a video game and, and, um, and, comic, and books, <laughs> comic books based on the cartoon series by Dark Horse, I believe. Uh, but this is the original source material, uh, Xenozoic by Mark Schultz. It's kind of uh, uh, Tarzan uh, meets, uh, I don't even know, like uh, uh, dinosaurs and... And Cadillacs. Uh, and, and Cadillacs, yeah. Like, I mean, Cadillacs and dinosaurs is kind of like the perfect... Uh, uh, descriptor. Descriptor to it. But it's got this really great, that's uh, uh, black and white, awesome style, um, just beautiful art. And, uh, and I'm really excited to read it. I've never read it before. 
Um, it's 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 a huge thick tome of a of a volume that I've got. So we're probably not going to read the whole thing. Um, it's a little difficult to get your hands on, but you can pick it up on Amazon. I got it for a pretty good price. And so, so. this has been published by several different publishers. Yes. And which one is this? Uh, is that Flesk? Flesk. So this one's the Flesk one... Publications. And yeah. this is the most recent reprint of it. Uh, I think so. I'm not 100%. This might not actually be the most recent. This is, um, from the research that I did, this is one of the best reprints. Okay. Um, especially like in format, like Curtis can attest to it. Yeah. it like the book itself is beautiful. It sure does look um, beautiful. So, yeah, I hopefully people can get their hands on it, check it out. But yeah. uh, that's what I'll be, or what I've chosen to read. Yeah, I'm excited for that too. Cool. So what have you got? Um, I, I've chosen, this is odd for me because I don't think I would have normally chosen an Archie book to talk about, but I'm choosing Afterlife with Archie, which is... Um, the first volume just came out, I think, last week or the week before, um, about a zombie invasion that takes over Riverdale. And I've only read the first issue now, and I liked it so much that I bought the first trade. So I'm I'm going to read the rest of this. I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm hoping that uh, everyone else too, does too. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's, uh, it's not at all what I was expecting, and uh, it looks like something that's right up my alley, so... It'll yeah. be cool to talk about Archie, but in a very different in a context. very different way. Yeah, cool. And our uh, our reader poll uh, is from uh, Matt Campbell, uh, and he says, "Hey, Mike and Curtis, I wanted to send in a pull box suggestion for your next show, and since Mike is always putting down the new Fifty Two, as I did many times in this episode, you sure did. Uh, I would like for you guys to try Batman Volume One: The Court of Owls." Of all the new 52 books, the Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo Batman was the best, in my opinion. Snyder drops us into a dark story where Batman may not be the all-knowing master of Gotham that he thinks he is. To support Snyder in his intricate story, Capullo offers up amazing pencil work with some interesting layout choices to help take the reader down the rabbit hole with Batman. I hope you guys enjoy the story as much as I did. Take care and keep up the good work. Uh, always listening, Matt Campbell. So thank you very much, Matt. Thanks, Matt, for that uh, suggestion. And uh, I, you know, I've I'm, I've read a little bit of this volume. I already own it. So you own it, but you don't like the new Fifty Two. Yeah, um, because I've been told this isn't the first time I've been told this is the best book in the new Fifty Two. Okay. For my money, it's the Animal Man Swamp Thing. Uh, they're two separate books, but uh, they work together. They're kind of over in their own corner of the the DC universe. And I think that those are the best things from the new 52. But, you know, I'll give Batman a try. It's time to put money where your mouth is. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're going to read that and uh, along with Xenozoic and uh, Afterlife with Archie. Uh, But that does it for this month's episode. Yes. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. You can uh, you can find our old episodes as well as uh, a, a comprehensive list of everything that we've read and will be reading uh, over at pullboxpodcast.com. It's our website. Uh, Curtis does a great job of keeping that updated. Thanks. And uh, and uh, some cool you do you do some other stuff other than just talking about what we're doing on the podcast. So this is a little bit uh, it, over on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so over on Facebook, you can you can join us. It's facebook.com slash pullbox podcast and you can follow us on twitter at pullbox podcast and don't forget to send in your suggestions for the reader poll uh all you got to do is email us uh the pullbox podcast at gmail.com with 
the title and uh, and just a brief paragraph letting us know why you you uh, want us to read that or why you think it should be the 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 reader poll. Uh, Matt's email is a perfect shining yeah. example. It's brief, which is always good, but gets to the point and lets us know why we should be reading that title, which is good. It, it helps us pick out uh, those titles, not necessarily the best titles or the coolest things, but what's going to fit in with the Before selections we, that yeah. that Curtis and I have picked. So, yeah. and we often um, we often try to to pick similar things. Um, to tie our our own polls with the yeah. reader polls so that we have a cohesive episode so they're not totally completely from different ends yeah um, although we've got zombies and dinosaurs in this next and batman, and batman. <laughs> so three awesome things right yeah i mean <laughs> zombie dinosaur batman it, that's a comic book by itself right, right? that so, would be awesome i want to um, see that <laughs> cool well thank you guys for listening and we'll we'll catch you on the next episode of the poll box podcast yep see you later Oh, 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 oh,